Thursdays from now, it's Thanksgiving. Nuts, bananas. I'm like, what? It is, for me, I don't know, I know you, I'm gonna get a lot of shade right now, but for me, um, I'm gonna let Thanksgiving have its moment, um, but it's Christmas season. Not a good way to start a series today with division in the house, right? We, uh, risottos are crazy. We're putting up our Christmas tree today. I said it. Putting up our Christmas tree today. Tis the season for Michael Buble. You don't listen to Michael Buble any other part of the, se- of the year. But now, now you have permission to listen to Michael Buble. You, nobody listens to Pentatonix, don't front. It's Christmas, you lie, you lie, you lie. You don't listen to Pentecostal. Mariah, nobody listens to Mariah, period. We're over her. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is nothing. My, my jam, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna embarrass myself. One of my favorite artists of all time is George Michael. So for me, it's a last Christmas. That's my jam. I can listen to that over and over again, last Christmas. But it is uh, Christmas season and uh, and we're, 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 we're gonna dive into it. And um, one of the biggest things about this season is, especially in church, we're celebrating Emmanuel. God is with us. That's the whole reason for the season. God is with us. So today we're starting a new, a new series uh, titled His Presence. And to, as a church, my prayer is for us to understand His presence. So I always like to honor the word with the reading this morning. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Let's all stand up for the reading of the word. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read about my man named Moses here. So we're starting all the way in the beginning of the book. Uh, the Bible's is actually a series of books, 66 books, and this is the second book in the Bible. So it starts off with Genesis, and now we're here in Exodus. And this, we're, we're in the scene where Moses, a couple chapters before this, Moses basically grew up as an Egyptian, educated as an Egyptian, but he was a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. And, and forgive me, I'm sick, so I need your energy today. Don't front on me today, all right? So, so he, he saw the oppression of his people, and even though he had a different position, they were slaves, he wasn't. And he saw his oppression, and he got upset. And so what he did was when he was watching an Egyptian beat on a slave... He looked around, he didn't see anyone coming, and he beat down the slave and he murdered him and he hid, I mean, he beat down the Egyptian, he murdered him and he hid him in the sand. So then he runs away. He runs away because people recognized who he was and people knew that he did that. So he runs away from his education, he runs away from his royalty, and then now we find him working the fields. So he went from a place of position to now working for someone else, working for his father-in-law. So here, Exodus 3 says this, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. And he stopped right there. Some people in this room, you're in a wilderness season in your life. You're in the in-between. You're in a transition. Maybe you're in a transition occupationally. Maybe you're in a transition... Um, in regards to your parenting, maybe in a transition, in your marriage, you're feeling like you're in the wilderness. I'm telling you right now, you need the presence of God more than ever in your life today. 
So here, he's in the wilderness, which is the place where we first see the need for the presence of God. So it says, to the west side of the wilderness, he came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I turned aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, God knows your name in his presence. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take off your sandal, take your sandals off your feet. The place on which you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the, fa- I'm, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I have seen the oppression for which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come. So watch this. He, he says, I'm right here. I'm here with you. But now he's saying, come, follow me. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out, out of, of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So he gives them this commission right there in the presence of God. Now, you ready for this one? Everybody say, 30 chapters later. 30 chapters later. 30 chapters later. Exodus 33:11. watch what it says. It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Here we see in the beginning, Moses hid his face because he didn't want to see God face to face. And he got so comfortable in the presence of God that he, he spoke to God face to face as one would talk to their friend. That right there is the hope of this whole series, that you come without shame you come without condemnation, and you could talk to your God face-to-face as a friend. That's what the presence of God is all about, and that's what we're going to encounter the next several weeks. Amen? Amen. Loud and proud, say, I'm here. I'm, here. I'm, ready. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Draw me closer. Make, me better. Make me better. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. amen. As you're being seated, compliment the person's shoes next to you. Forever got some good shoe game here today. And if they're dirty, don't judge them. Just say, it has potential. That's what we say. It has potential. All my life, the holiday seasons have always been busy. Um, right out of college and, and working in ministry, I used to do uh, two jobs. When I was first hired at a church, I, I worked part-time as a young adult pastor. And so I had a, I had a side hustle. Seems like I always have a side hustle. And I worked retail. Anybody used to work retail during the holidays? 
Yes. During retail and the holidays, did you sell stuff? No, especially clothing retail. What did you do? You folded. That's all you did, right? Because people are ignorant and they'll watch you work really hard on folding something and they'll, they'll come in and tear it all apart. And then you, after closing, what would you do? You would spend all evening folding and can I tell you, I was nice with it. I was so nice with it. My pride and glory was the gene wall. Okay, I was a manager at Express. And I was a manager, and some of you old school people will know this, I was a manager not when it was Express, but when it was Structure. Anybody remember Structure? Okay? Structure, and, and I was there during the transition. And during the transition of Structure, um, the inventory was all jacked up and they had this calculated way where they would send a certain amount of certain sizes because they knew what you normally sold within the holiday season. And so I remember focusing on my jean wall. Have you guys ever, do you guys know how to fold jeans? Yeah, let me show you real quick. I'm gonna school you real quick, okay? My wife's looking at me like, what are you doing? So it, it's a trick here, right? So, and I'm gonna do it really quickly. So. You fold this little part in here. You see this? So it's a waste of space. You fold it in. And then you create a little triangle, right? And then you flip it. You see this? You see this? Oh my gosh, and I'm not gonna do the rest of them, but I remember I would look at my jean wall and my jean wall was immaculate. It looked like a brick wall of jeans. And I remember I used to spend so much time organizing the jeans, and, and, and I remember it, because the way it looked, it looked really good if you went from small to big, right? Which is stupid, by the way, because small people can't reach that high. And, and big people don't want to bend down that low, you feel me? So I don't know why we did that, but that's what we did, okay? And, and I remember this lady, she would come in and, and she would mess up my wall, number one. Number two, she always came back with fast cash. People who shop, you know what I'm talking about. It's a retail trick. Nowadays, there's a trend on TikTok. It's called girl math. <laughs> Fellas, beware of girl math, right? They're like, well, you spent $100. Then they gave you a coupon for $25. That's called fast cash. But the problem is when you come back, you have to spend another $100 to use your $25. And then they have the audacity to come back, Efren, and tell you that they saved money. No, they did not. You played yourself, right? That wasn't it. So this lady would always come back for, and some of you right now, you're trying to like lean over to your husband. No, no, it really is saving money, baby. I promise you. <laughs> it's not. You're not saving any money that way. They're just getting you to come back and spend more money. So this lady used to come in, and um, she was just a nasty lady, man, and um, just nasty. She would always be upset because she would always shop jeans for her son, and her son was a 3130. Now, if you know, normally jeans go like even numbers, right? You go 30, 32, 30, you know, uh, and I don't know why they threw in a 33. 33 was okay. 33, 30 was okay. But a 31 was like a rarity, right? And so she would get so upset. She goes, sometimes you have 31s and sometimes you don't. And she would make it as though it was our fault for not having a 31, 30. And I knew this lady, she was a slave to fast cash. She was a slave to it. So I knew she was going to come back. And I remember one day we were doing inventory and I found the 3130s. 
It was like finding like a Babe Ruth baseball card. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I got it. And so it, literally I was, I was going to try to make her season. It was Christmas season. I was going to try to make her season. And then I saw her walk in and I said, I got it. I hit it. I hit it in the back and I was ready for it. And I saw her talking to one of my, my reps and she was talking to the reps and she instantly went off on him. Instantly. Every time I come in here, you guys know I'm coming in here. You never have 3130s. I'm a faithful customer. You know, she, she went, forgive me if your name is Karen. She went full Karen mode. <laughs> but she didn't see I'm walking with the 3130s in my hand. And she's still going off, going off. And I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting to let her realize how dumb she sounds. Because she's going off that we don't have the 3130s and I'm right there. And eventually she, she finally shut up. She turned around and she knew I was the manager. And I looked at her with a smile and I said, I got your 3130s. And then she looked at me and she goes, that's not the wash I wanted. <laughs> she goes, but I'll take it. And in my mind, okay, in my mind, this is what I, I said in my mind. Everybody say in my mind. In my mind I said, I am sorry that your child doesn't love you in return and you have to love them with your plastic heart, AKA your credit card, and you can't find satisfaction in your life, so you take it out on everybody else. That's what I said in my mind. But what came out of my mouth was, I'm really sorry, Merry Christmas. And that's when I knew I was called to ministry. Come on, somebody. That's when I knew. Right there, that's when I knew I was called to ministry. But what was her problem? Her problem was she was so fixated, she was so focused, on her past experiences. She was so focused on the problem that she didn't realize that she was in the presence of someone that wanted to help. She was in the presence of someone that wanted to bless her. She was in the presence of someone that actually wanted to change whatever narrative was in her life. She was so fixated on the problem. So is that us? Are we more aware of the power of our problems? than we are on the power of his presence. I am. There are days I'm so fixated on the problem that I'm oblivious to what God wants to do in my life. I'm oblivious to how he wants to move. I'm oblivious that at times, especially when I'm arguing with my spouse or, 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 I'm, or I'm, I'm challenging my kids or I'm dealing with the work issue, I'm so fixated on the problem and I'm, and I'm inflating the power of that problem rather than inflating the power of his presence in my life. And we all do this, don't we? We all do this. Can you take this pile of jeans so it's not a distraction? Just throw them, look, they were that kind of, boom, skills, buckets, here we go. Why is it so important for us to believe in his presence? Because there's so many things that we can access in his presence. And if you grew up in church, you heard some of these, but like, let this go beyond just knowledge. Let it go into activation of this knowledge. Because we need this more than ever. This world is crazy right now. This world is crazy right now. So we need his presence more than ever. More than ever. This is what we find in his presence biblically. Number one, the fullness of joy. Who needs joy in your life? You know what I wish one day? We could just put a camera up here so you could see what I see. Straight up. For real, you need to see this. Because it's like, who needs joy in their life? 
y'all should clap. All of you. We all need joy in our life. No, seriously. I'm gonna keep it so 100 with you, it's not even funny. Rob Reamer, Dr. Rob Reamer, he's an author of the Soul Care book, and we just had the Soul Care conference at our school location. And I suggest, like, if you missed it, I just go get the book. It just really teaches you how to, like, dig deep into your soul, clean some things up so that you can walk in victory in your life. And I asked him, I asked him, I said, yeah, man, what are you sensing here? And this is what he said. South Jersey is just dull. There's just... There's this dull spirit in South Jersey. And I was like, whoa. And then he gave some historical understanding of it. He's like, because, you know, we grew up in agriculture, so the people would just wake up and go work on the fields and that kind of stuff. But he's a spiritually speaking, though, that has just stayed and has just stuck. And everyone's just stuck in a routine and they're stuck in the mundane. And it's just, it's just, there's a spirit of dullness. You ever walk into somewhere and just feel like, oh, why is it so dull in here? And I'm here to tell you that as, for, for, as me in my house, as me as fervent church, uh, we're going to serve the Lord. And I want us together as a church to kick over that spirit of dullness. Because number one, God didn't die for us to be dull. He died for us to experience joy. And not just plain joy, the fullness of joy. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Come on, somebody. You gonna tip me? No? Okay. Thanks, man. <laughs> there is fullness of joy. Security, you didn't even stop him. <laughs> you didn't know what he was gonna do. I don't feel safe. <laughs> in his presence, there's fullness of joy. If you need joy today, it's found in his presence. Number two, if you need peace today, it's found in his presence. Don't you need peace? Some of you, your worries and anxiety are literally paralyzing you. You need peace. Philippians 4, 7 says this, and the peace of God, which trans surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Our minds need to be guarded by peace. John 14, 27 says this, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Isn't it crazy that this, this gift that he's given us, yet we feel as though we don't have it. He's given you peace. He says, I will give you peace. He wants to give it to you, yet... Why is it that we're not activating it? And I think it's because we're not encountering his presence. So he gives us the fullness of joy. He gives us peace. Number three, who needs strength today? Psalm 46.1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. Some of us need guidance today. Number four, guidance. Psalm 25.5. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I will wait all the days of my life. He guides us in truth. He teaches us. He gives us guidance. For some of us, number five, you need comfort today. You need comfort from the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 says this, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which ourselves have been comforted by God. How about that, guys? That we receive this comfort in, in so much of a measure 
that we're able to give that, to extend that comfort to those who need comfort. You need comfort, not just for yourself, so that you can bless somebody else with comfort. And that's what we get from the presence of God. Number six, you need love. Can I get some love in the room? Romans 8, 38 to 9 says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of our God. That we find love. If you ever feel unlovable, you can find it in the presence of God. Seven, freedom. We find freedom in the presence of God. 2 Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. This is the game changer right here. Number eight, six, um, number eight, rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me all who labor and are heavy burden and I will give you rest. This is the game changer, is the presence of God. Because again, I, I fully recognize that today, if you want theology, if you want curriculum, it's in your pocket. You could YouTube anything you want. You could Google anything you want. You could ChatGPT any Bible study you want. And ChatGPT is pretty decent in theology. You could do all that. So why is it that we need to be a part of a church? We need to be a part of a church for community, number one, because contrary to popular belief, AI can't be your friend. It's going to take over the world. Don't trust it. Kidding. <laughs> Somebody like, no, he ain't. <laughs> you need friendships. You need community. But we also need to encounter the presence of God. So what is the presence of God? And here's how I'm going to define it today. The presence of God, it is the awareness, access, and activation of the authority of God. It is the awareness, access, and activation of the authority of God. This is important because I know I've I've teased worship pastors in the past. And when they say, um, come Holy Spirit, you know, I used to tease them doing that, wink. And it's true. I believe that, that what they're asking for, they're giving the Holy Spirit access They're giving the Holy Spirit license to do what he wants to do. Because there are moments where we could be in church and still not feel the presence of God. Right? Why is that? Because we have not grown aware of God's presence. We haven't allowed it to have access. We have access to God's presence and we need to give God's presence access to us. And then we activate the authority of God in that moment. That's what happens when you are aware of the presence of God. And and write this down, some of you recovering Pentecostals. The presence of God is not a feeling, it's a reality. Can I say that again? The presence of God is not a feeling. It should be the believer's reality. We believe that God is everywhere at all times. We believe that God wants to that wants us to encounter him today and every day. We believe that God wants a relationship with us. 
And if any of you have ever been in a relationship, you have to just stay dedicated to the relationship. And, and you have to be committed to that relationship, even in the days when you don't feel like it. And sometimes we think that the evidence of the Holy Spirit or the evidence of the presence of God are your emotions, and it's not. It's not. It's your awareness. So sometimes you have to say, because so, since he's everywhere at all times, he, he's, he's, he's here, he's coming, and watch that, he's also going. We're going to, in this series, we're going to discuss how we follow the presence of God. So he's here, he's coming, and he's going. Because he's everywhere at all times. And a lot of times, too, let's kick this over. We, when we think of the presence of God, we just think we find it in musical worship. Right? And most of us, that's what we think. And we say things like, you know, worship wasn't very good today. Come on, right or wrong? Worship, and what we do, we evaluate worship based on the level of their musicianship. What if you evaluated worship on the one you're actually worshiping? He is mighty. He is amazing. He is awesome. I've been to mission trips and, and list, listened to churches sing the same song for hours, horribly, musically speaking. None of their guitars were tuned because they can't afford tuners. They all tune their guitars by ear, but they all have different ears. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and still encounter the presence of God because it's not just musical. And a lot of you, we, 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 we have attached the presence of God with our feelings. And I'm here to tell you that the next level of you experiencing the presence of God surpasses your feelings. It surpasses your understanding, right? And if we get that, we'll recognize that. Listen, there are times where I do things because of my love for Jesus. You ready for that? I don't love reading, but I love Jesus. I don't love humility. Y'all fronting today. I don't love humility, but I love Jesus. I don't love sacrifice. But I love Jesus. There's a place and time in your maturity where you have to learn to be aware of the presence of God even when you don't feel it. Even when you don't feel it. But I know that at times we, we are, we're built differently. And so, again, there's this ever presence and then there's presence. And so what is it about us and, and that, that sometimes we feel them and then sometimes we don't? And, and I think the best analogy I can think of today is... Um, you know, like on your phone, you could turn your Wi-Fi on and off, right? And in this modern day age, everywhere we go, there is a Wi-Fi signal. Everywhere you go, right? There is a Wi-Fi signal. And if you have the password to that Wi-Fi network, you could log in to that Wi-Fi signal. And I believe that, I know every analogy breaks down, but that's God. He is everywhere at all times. There are moments where our Wi-Fi is turned off. Our Wi-Fi is turned off, so we, can't, we don't access it. He's there, but we don't access him. And if you could learn just to turn your Wi-Fi on at the right time, you could experience the power of God in the weirdest places in your life. I've experienced God's presence while I'm arguing with my wife. 
I've experienced, just turn it on, just here. I experience God's presence when I'm disciplining my kids. My son just the other, last night, he told me that I'm, I'm hard at home, but I'm soft at church. We're going to fix that. <laughs> he said, sweet. He said, I'm sweet at church. You're in trouble and you can blame him for it. <laughs> Ain't nobody call me sweet. <laughs> like spirit, just turning on the Wi-Fi. Turn, the, I can experience the presence of God when I'm in crisis. By turning on my Wi-Fi, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? I'm, I'm activating my awareness. I'm giving him access. I'm living under his authority. And that's when we start experiencing the tangible presence of God. How do you turn on your Wi-Fi? And many of us, we just need to practice. And can I tell you something that, like, we're all built differently, um, and we all experience God in different ways, and I want to give you permission to do exactly that. We are built differently. Some of us, we experience the presence of God when we're engaging with nature, right? I know Pastor Rob's like that. He says that he'll, he'll sit in front of the ocean and he experiences the presence of God in the ocean, you know, and he loves that, right? Or, or I have, we have a friend that she'll, she'll lay on the grass. That's way too itchy for me. I don't experience the presence of God that way, but that's how she does. Some of you, you engage with God in nature, and I want to say, be blessed and do that. Some of us, we engage with God in silence, in contemplation, in meditation. Some of you, that's how you engage with God. Keep doing that. I want to practice that together because some of us, uh, Ashley and I, we were praying for someone yesterday, and the person, her mind was so clouded with voices, and we realized that she's never practiced silence in her life. Never practiced silence in her life, so she couldn't hear the voice of God because she's never understood silence. Some of us, we need silence, and that's how we experience the presence of God. Some of us do experience the presence of God through music and worship music. Where you at? Who loves experience the presence of God through music? Some of us experience the presence of God through prayer. Some of us experience the presence of God just by reading scripture. Some of us experience the presence of God of acts of service. Last year or a couple years ago, we were praying as a staff and one person, they, they just couldn't stand just sitting there the whole time. So they wanted to pray while they were weeding the garden outside. Some people experience God that way. Some people experience God through art and creativity drawing and, or, or painting, and they experience God that way. Some people have to experience God through fasting and sacrifice. Some people experience God through rituals and sacraments. You do experience God that way. Some people experience God through pilgrimage, pil, uh, pil, help me, thank you, that word. Through, 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 through journeys and, and going somewhere and, 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 and taking a trip and seeing the world. You experience God that way. And I'm here to tell you, that is amazing and we want to celebrate that. Do that. If any one of those, you know, struck a chord in you, do that to experience the presence of God. And I will say this, if you feel like that's getting stale, try something that you're not wired to do and keep it fresh. And keep it fresh. Try something this time around to practice the presence of God. Because it's important for us to get to this place where we could have the fullness of joy, we could have love, we could have rest, we could have guidance. 
Some of you, you're waiting for that, and it's right here for you. So the first time in Scripture where we see the presence of God, we see Moses engaging with this burning bush. The presence of God outside of the garden. We started in the presence of God. But now outside of the garden, this is where we see it manifest. And there's a fascinating statement here. He says, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. Take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. So that's what I want us to do with the presence of God. I want us to learn how to take off our sandals. So how do we do that? I think, number one, you recognize holiness. Recognize holiness. Recognize that God is set apart. All religions, most religions, they understand this concept of sacred ground and holy ground. Most religions practice that. There's something sacred about certain destinations. Remember in the last series, we, in the Old Testament, God made a temple for his people, but in the New Testament, post-Jesus, his people are his temple. And there's this, this sense of holiness when we meet with God. And the Bible says in Exodus 3 where he says, I turn, uh, Moses turned to the side to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. And in order for us to recognize holiness, I do believe that if we're going to believe in God, if we're going to believe in the supernatural, then we need to recognize that he's going to move in the supernatural. And so it's a supernatural thing when we talk about the presence of God. It's supernatural, and we have to understand that it, it, we encounter it on a different level. We encounter it in such a powerful way that sometimes I don't have words to describe it. Just talk to some people in this room. There are moments where, why am I crying in the middle of this song? There are times like, why? why? All of a sudden, I went from chaos to peace in an instant. If we're going to believe in God, he's the creator of the universe. He created it with his words. If we're going to believe in God, then let's believe in God. I'm astonished sometimes how, like, when I meet people of other faiths, how I I walk away sometimes honestly convicted because their faith is greater than mine. Because they believe, believe in what they read. They believe, believe in what they're saying. And we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So therefore, if he spoke to Moses as someone speaks to his friend face to face, why is there literally no expectation of him speaking to you today? We have to recognize his holiness, and we have to recognize that he's a supernatural God. And the Bible says those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But instead, here's how we want to worship him. I want to worship him in flesh and in logic. It has to make sense in order for it to be God. And sometimes that's not the case. We have to recognize his holiness. Number two, we have to revere holiness. Now, every, like, I grew up... First, I grew up Catholic, and then I chased this chick to a Pentecostal church. <laughs> and every time I, I would, the pastor would teach on Moses taking off his sandals, they talked about revering God, respecting God. And again, in Exodus 3, he says, but I love this. God says, 
but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, and you shall serve God on this mountain. God created a meeting place for Moses. I love this. Remember, he's here, he's coming, and he's also going. So Moses says, here I am, God. So he was there in the moment, but then God promised him, hey, listen, I am here, but I'm sending you over there, and I'll be with you as you go over there, but I want you to come back here and meet with me again. I want you to come back here to this mountain of God and to respect this moment and to respect this designation. And why am I saying this? I think the American church, we forgot through all the bells and whistles, we forgot how to revere his holiness by being with God. And sometimes that means that we have to designate certain places in our crazy lives to meet with God. So let me ask you this question. Are you intentionally meeting with God? Let me double down on it. Are you intentionally meeting with God beyond Sunday morning? Have you designated the mountain in which you meet with God? Because his presence is not something that we could fake. We have to practice his presence. And so, yes, you could turn your Wi-Fi off at, on at the DMV when you really need God's presence. Right? in traffic on Route 70 with all that stupid construction, pray for me. You could turn it on there, but like, it's gonna be hard for you to connect with it if you haven't practiced his presence. Are you, is there a designation in your life? Is there a mountaintop place in your life where you meet with God beyond Sunday morning? Are you putting respect on that place where you meet with God? Are you revering his holiness? Y'all getting this today? This is how you take your sandals off when you're standing on the holy ground. Number three, I love what I see here that Moses responded to his holiness because he took his sandals off. And again, we could come at it with a sense of you know, he was respecting holy ground. You could come at it with a stance of humility. This is humility. And then sometimes, I'm like, I hate going to some of your houses and you tell me to take off my shoes when I walk in. <laughs> I got clean socks. I promise you I got clean socks. But sometimes, don't judge me, sometimes my socks don't match. <laughs> right? Raise your hand. Come on, let's confess right now. If you, right now you don't have matching socks. It's okay. You're accepted here at Fervent Church. <laughs> I sin the same way, Right? Sometimes your socks don't match. And so I hate it. Can you take your shoes off? I'm like, come on, man. Really? Take your shoes Yeah, well, you have a hole on your sock. That's the worst, you know? Hate taking off my shoes when I go to your houses, you know? I'd rather have, like, just put, give me, can I get some plastic? <laughs> some plastic bags over my feet. I'd rather do that than taking your shoes off. But I know that in our house, because of comfort, you know, when our boys are home or their friends come home, they take their shoes off, and not because we mandate it, they take their shoes off because they're comfortable in our house. I personally like to teach, yes, 
God told Moses to take his sandals off because out of respect and humility, but God's a multitasking God, and I think there's many layers to the commands he gives us, and what if, I don't know, what if God wants you to be comfortable in his presence? They didn't have easy slides back then. <laughs> didn't have Nike slides back then, right? He didn't have the new Air Moseses. He didn't have that. The sandals back then were rough, and they were just put together with rope and leather, and they weren't comfortable. And so one could look at it from a standpoint of saying, like, well, this was a sign of respect. You're on holy ground. But what if, what if God says, I want you to be comfortable with me? Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there's freedom. And remember the last one, in his presence, there's rest. And some of you, some of us, in times of our lives, we're not comfortable in the presence of God. Because I don't think we understand the presence of God, right? We're not comfortable because we have sin in our life. We're not comfortable because we just had an argument with our spouse on the way here. We're not comfortable because I just cussed my kids out because I told them to put their shoes on five times. And so we come in here and we feel guilt and shame and condemnation. But I believe that the Lord wants to tell you today, take your sandals off and get comfortable. He knows. And what he, his main goal this morning is for you to encounter his presence. That's his goal. Get comfortable. Let's respond, and, and we're taught to respond to his holiness with fear and trembling. Because what Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to do that. We can now come in boldly into his presence and get comfortable. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. Some of you, you need to allow the grace of God to trump your unforgiveness of yourself. The pride that we have when you say, God, I can't forgive myself. And we think that there's some form of humility. I'm here to tell you that is a form of pride to think that your unforgiveness can trump his forgiveness in your life. Am I talking just to myself? There are moments I can't forgive myself. No, I need to surrender. I need to bow down to his authority. I need to be aware of his presence that if you've already forgiven me, how dare I? Tell myself that I can't forgive myself if I'm surrendered under your authority and your presence. Y'all getting this? Some of y'all, that's how you get free, is by receiving his grace. It's grace, you don't earn it anyway. And some of you feel like you gotta get to the place in your life where you can earn your own forgiveness. Then it's not forgiveness. And you're bondage to that cycle of defeat. Well, what would happen if you actually got comfortable in his presence and received his grace? And that's how you respond to his holiness. How comfortable are you in the presence of God? And last thing, he received, Moses received his holiness by taking off his sandals. How is that? Again, we wear, we wear sandals with socks now. And you definitely have to have your socks match. But back then, your feet were horrible, they were dirty. They were disgusting. 
And in fact, it was a common practice. He came from, remember, he, he lived, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He understood royalty. And so it was custom in royalty that when you came in from the outside, that he would, they would have slaves to clean your feet when you came inside. But now he doesn't have that anymore. He walked away, he ran away from that. So now he's at a place where his feet are dirty. And God asked him to take off his sandals. Hey, not only get comfortable, but now see everything. See the holes in your socks. See that it mismatches. See right now that your feet are completely dirty and there's some hammer time in those holes. See everything. And you're completely exposed and completely vulnerable. And you would think, how dare I, how dare I come in like this to holy ground? And we have this imagery, we have this picture as though like our dirt, our mess can contaminate holy ground. But if you really understand his holiness and the power of his holiness, we can't contaminate holy ground. Holy ground contaminates us. Holy ground makes us clean. Holy ground makes us righteous. Holy ground changes our lives. Powerful verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him who knew no sin, so that in him, watch this, we might become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God. Yeah, but you don't understand, I messed up. I know, it's amazing, it's supernatural because of his holiness. We can't contaminate his holiness. His holiness contaminates us and makes us the righteousness of God. I don't feel that way, Pastor Mike. I know it's because we just need to be more aware of his presence, aware of his goodness, aware of his power, aware of his authority. We're gonna practice that together as a church. We're to be aware that God's even with you in the, sometimes even in the worst time of your life. In, in counseling, there's this, there's this practice called theophostic, where the counselor will lead you through a traumatic event and by his spirit help you see that Jesus was there with you in that event so that you could find healing. Jesus is with you and he grieves for some of the things you went through and he, he, he wants to be there to see you healed on the other side of it. The presence of God wants to be where you are. He wants you to have access to him and he wants you to give him access to you. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do this morning. If um, I wanna pray for some people right now. So if you can, let's uh, bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to create this private moment.